Hello and welcome to the TopCast Pod Show, the number one show on the internet and the last place you should go for legal advice. I am Lanny, and I'm joined as always by my partner in alleged crimes, Kaiser. Wow, no nicknames this time. Nah. Surprised. I am uh, still recovering energy. I, I just got my AC fixed at home. I was without air conditioning for that entire like month and a half span where it was like 107 degrees outside at all oh, times. Yeah. yeah. That and was really bad. Uh, like the interior of my house, especially my office where I try to get like most of my shit done, uh, it got upwards of like the 90s most days. Uh, one day I was actually scripting with Taka and uh, like, you know, my body had acclimated to the heat. I was just sitting there typing some stuff out. We were throwing out some real good stuff, or at least the heat made me think it was good, so we'll find out. Uh, and I stood up to go like refill my water. I just went like super lightheaded immediately. I realized I wasn't sweating anymore. I was having like a massive heat stroke, so oh, I needed geez. to like call it. Yeah, no, I, air conditioning is a, a very good modern in invention and I highly appreciate having it back. But yeah, my, my whole head still has like fog from that whole thing and it's still recovering. So yeah, we got a bunch of rain. Yes, I know. Just after I got my AC fixed, it was like a real kick in the dick. It's like, ah, finally. And then whoosh, just buckets of rain outside. I'm like, you know what? I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy that it's raining, but fuck the timing. Also, the temperature is now going to drop like significantly. I know. I look forward out. to being able to go out for a walk with my dog when it's not like 6 a.m. So yeah. I don't have to like miss the sun. Seriously, like, I, I'd go out for a walk with Mr. Steak. And we have this little trail where we like walk around like a little local park. And it has this little creek running through it. And as days passed, I noticed that water lo level going like lower and lower to the point that like even the turtles weren't in that water anymore. Oh, and God. you could see the bottom of it. I'm like, oh, geez. Then one day of rain and it's like boom, back up full. Crazy. Well, uh, Anthony and Fish uh, ended up pinning us up asking, hey, are you guys okay? I heard about the flooding. And I'm like, uh, no, we're, we're, most of us are fine. No, I don't not. think anybody on the team got hit by the flooding. It was, mo it was all... mostly like downtown Dallas and that whole yeah, area. Yeah. Because it's much flatter. We're kind of in a, uh, like a hillier section. Yeah. We're also just a ge general, actually higher elevation. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. But hey. Weather is as weather does, but uh, it's it's about the end of summer, and I don't think we've done one of these since Thor Love and Thunder. Was that the last one? I, I feel like it was, or at least it's the last one of substance. And I, and I get a lot of people asking, like, you know, have you guys watched Ms. Marvel? Have you guys watched She-Hulk? Have you got like... I'm gonna be honest, I, I think we might sit back on the Marvel reviews for a while. Uh, I, know, I know there are people out there that really want our opinions on them, but... Every time we do something Marvel related, it always devolves into us talking about the state of Marvel in general. Yeah. And nobody ends up happy at the end of that. Because not us, not the comments, not nothing. Let that be though. Uh, I think that's really kind of the larger issue. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's a sign of the larger issue. I don't want to talk about the movies anymore because the movies are no longer all that interesting to me. The shows are no longer all that interesting. I haven't seen Miss Marvel. I haven't seen She-Hulk. Um, and I, I'm I'm likely gonna see Wakanda forever because- The trailer the, looks like- the, the, Oh my the, God, the, the, trailer, the trailer fucking slaps. Every time I see that trailer, it is just a, a, like a religious experience. And also it's, um, oh, I'm forgetting the damn uh, director's name. I don't know. Uh, I don't pay attention. I, I I honestly have not been paying attention. I I I I like the director. Um, but yeah, 
Uh, and the the frustrating thing is, I, I might still end up watching Miss Marvel because I've actually heard from a couple of friends that it is still very fun and there's some stuff up my alley. Um, it's going to be one of those things that I, I end up like just kind of getting bored and binging over a weekend at some time, I'm sure. Yeah. But I'm not going to go out of my way to watch it just to talk about it is kind of where my head's at personally. Same with She-Hulk. It, it's going to be another one of those things where I'll probably binge it at some point, but... Uh, right now, a lot of the Marvel stuff to me kind of feels like homework. A little bit. Like, you need to stay up to date if you want to watch this thing and understand what's happening here. And I've watched enough of the shows where nothing in them really gets referenced in the movies outside of WandaVision. It's like, I, I don't... Like, why am I... Maybe, eh. Yeah. Well, but yeah, that's... Well, then let's... Long story short, kind of why we're not talking about Marvel here, because uh, we're going to do a little a grab bag of things that we have been paying attention to. Uh, basically an extended rundown. Yeah, yeah. But first, the rundown. <laughs> uh, just quick uh, pitch out there. I am certain this video will not get the same level of views as the other, but uh, we did start doing the Dragon Ball Z Abridged creator commentaries. Yep. Uh, first episode, the like, you know, DBZA episode one went up last Saturday. This Saturday, episodes two and three, I believe. Yeah. Um, a, some people were asking what the release date and the format's going to be, and uh, we'll probably make an actual formal announcement, but basically we're aiming for every Saturday, and for the time being, it's it's basically going to be um, every t like two episodes every Saturday, um, and then I think we covered the finale. Yeah, the finale is all one video. Yeah, the finale is all one video. Close to a half hour long on its own. Once we get into season two, though, and those episodes start to double in length, it's likely that those will be singular video. A lot of those will be singular videos. Yeah, so, some of them will still probably get doubled up because we have a short video here and there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, look forward to those. Uh, I've been enjoying looking through the comments and uh, seeing people's thoughts on that. And. I look forward to going through this adventure. Uh, we've we've already recorded all of the season yeah. one commentary, so that band aid's gone. Now we only have uh, a, a few a few things that I, I I worry about getting through. There's some stuff in season two that there, is there's some there's some stuff that has absolutely been decimated by the passage of time. Yeah. Um. Although we also have the movies. Uh, true. We'll true. Speaking of. Passage of Time, Bardock, yeah. the first special we ever did. Oh my god. Oh, every rewatch I do of that is special. There, there is like, it's hard to get me to go back and watch a lot of our old material. Whenever I go back and like, you know, if I do want to be nostalgic for some of the stuff we did, I usually start somewhere mid-Namek, probably around Namekamania or where like the Ginyu show up. It is really kind of fun to go back and watch the older stuff. Like you'd think, you know, as the creator, I, I might never ever want to see it again but just being able to relive some of that time is always kind of nice yeah because your experience on that is like like it, it's vastly different from mine from for me my experience was we wrote it down i went and recorded it but for you you had to sit there for like 40 60 80 hours at a time putting that together so oh yeah my face was up against it for hours at a time and so your experience and mine are vastly different in that regard yeah uh, but yes, look forward to more of those coming out as we push forward. Uh, as for things that we've seen and done over the summer that we just haven't talked about, man, there's a there's a number of things out there. Did you ever end up seeing Sandman? No, I, I've, uh, I I have somebody who I watch a lot of my stuff with, and we do have that on the docket. 
Uh, but we've been going through other shows um, like Better Call Saul, the latest season of Harley Quinn, stuff like that. Good, you are caught up on Harley Quinn. Yes, I, I do want to talk about that. I've been enjoying that. But uh, just, just like uh, for Sandman, really good adaptation for my money. Uh, I got introduced to Sandman by the Audible... Um, I guess it's more of like a radio play than it is an audiobook at this point. And I, I've touted it a number of times. The audio, uh, like the audible version of Sandman, stupid good. Crazy good cast. You got James McAvoy as Morpheus and uh, like just a whole bunch of like really good casting. In fact, if you want kind of a taste of it, the bonus episode that they released of Sandman, which is just kind of like some side stories in the world uh, that they released on Netflix, the... Uh, the Dream of a Thousand Cats is actually just the audiobook version of the thing, including James McAvoy as Morpheus. And uh, it's just that audio ripped and animated to. And it's really cool. Ah, okay. Yeah. So I, I do very much recommend that as an adaptation. I still think, like, you know, it's very hard to make the dreamlike imagery something that's like feasible for for what netflix was able to do with their budget i think they did a very good job uh and they truncated a few plot points because sandman takes place in the dc universe uh, and there are a few like heroes and things like that that they had to cut out for licensing reasons i'm betting so but the way they mixed it down and like reworked some of the characters and their through lines really really worked out for the adaptation i feel well at least then i'm sure that neil gaiman was very happy that he could finally make his characters in the dc universe masturbate yeah pretty much by the way the reference to that was he was literally told he was not allowed to let any of his characters masturbate in sandman because apparently and i well i quote they told him that people in the dc universe don't masturbate to which neil gaiman responded with well that explains a lot of your characters yeah they're a lot of very angry people in that universe. Uh, but yeah, it, it's really good. I liked it a lot. I don't want to give away anything, considering I'm guessing you know nothing about the plot. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I really don't know anything. Um, which, you know, that's sort of exciting to, to go into something that is as big and beloved as Sandman, knowing literally nothing about it. Uh, it doesn't matter which one you end up doing first, but you recommended an audiobook to me some time ago. I ended up listening to it, ended up loving it. I do recommend uh, the Sandman audio I, series I mean, on Audible. I might just read the original comic. You can do that too, but I, I legit feel that the radio play that they put out there is just stupendously good, and they have two seasons out so Funny far. enough, I actually do have it. Good. Yeah, I, I bought it a while back, but I've been going through other things. I've actually been listening to the uh, Young Chang, uh, Young Chick, Young Chen, Young Chen, yeah, Young Chen, um, Avatar book. Hmm. Because uh, yeah, it's the one set before Kyoshi, and it is so good. The, uh, by the way, I, I know I've told you all this before. The Avatar books are legitimately fucking great. Pretty, pretty good as young adult novels go. Yeah. Um. Just leaps and bounds better than the comics. Like, uh, not even comparable. They're so much better than the comics. It's good to hear. Uh, but uh, speaking of Harley Quinn, you've been keeping up with this season, right? Yeah. I'm really happy with how this season's been turning out. I don't want to go into, like, too many spoilers for people out there that haven't been keeping up. But as adult animation uh, comedies go, I still think Harley Quinn's, like, way up there for me. It's had its positives and negatives for me this season. I think my biggest issue is that... They uh, have been putting a lot of focus on uh, Harley and Ivy. 
Which, which I mean, that kind of makes sense given where they left off the last season. It just feels like a lot of the other characters in the show, like a lot of the other main cast are being kind of sidelined for relationship stuff. And I, I don't know how to say this. I hate relationship plot lines. I hate them. I hate them a lot because there's only so many varia variations you can do on, oh, you lied to me? Well, I only lied to you to protect your feelings. Oh, I don't understand what I'm being annoying. Well, you know, it's okay because I have to accept you for who you are. Shoot me, kill me, hang me on a fucking tree. I'm a little less cynical uh, in my take on that. I actually think it's kind of refreshing that they're, you know, giving you this relationship angle and it's not all like, oh my God, I can't believe that this person did blah, or I can't believe that they did blah. Uh, and it's more about them adapting to being a couple and trying to be supportive of each other, even though they aren't yeah. like really entirely 100% on each other's level. But that's still, again, it's still all the same relationship stuff. It's just, Harley, Harley Quinn and Ivy. I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's not terrible. It's not, not even bad. It's not. It's actually not bad. There's a lot of funny stuff to be mined there, and they are doing that. They are like, it, it's still a good show. I just hate this premise, and I was, I knew that this is what they were gonna do at the end of season two. It is, it is a little sad that um, you're right that a lot of the side characters really have nothing going on. Like King, King Shark was one of my favorite characters in the previous two seasons. Uh, he's had maybe a dozen lines this season. Yeah, King Shark's got nothing going on. Uh, Clayface kinda has something going on, but even that feels like- That's just like because Alan Tudyk is amazing and and they have him yeah these uh, the joker who by the way the joker in the latest be the best, great. joker may be the best character in the season so far I the, the way they've managed to redeem him from season one is kind of astonishing it's really funny mm -hmm. i if you told me this was the direction that they were going to go with the joker I, I at, at first i don't think i would have been on board but the way that they've managed to do it is just so funny it's really oh uh, Th their irreverent way of dealing with all the DC Universe kind of stuff is great. Like, I love that they just kind of reveal that Bruce Wayne is Batman to the Joker. It's like, you, what? the mystery was half the fun, you idiot! Then he walks up to Br Bruce Wayne. It's like, I pre-ordered an electric car from Wayne Tech months ago. Where's my goddamn electric car, Bruce? <laughs> Fucking yeah, great. I... I mean, we've talked about Harley Quinn a lot yeah. in the past, so everyone, like, if you ever want to see our, like, opinions on the show in general, you can definitely go and check out that video. It's on the playlist. Um, that might be on the main channel, though. Um, but, uh, yeah, this latest season, not bad. I'm still enjoying myself. It's just taking it, taking it down the relationship problems angle. I, I always knew I was not going to be a fan of that. Mm. Um, although, I will say Poison Ivy continues to just flat out be one of the best character in the show. She I, has the best lines, best deliveries. She's always, oh my God. Yeah, no, she's she's been great. Um, I, I love that they've been kind of expanding the universe a bit more as they go. Like you got introduced to Swamp Thing and- With uh, the man bun. Yeah. Oh. And uh, Constantine uh, shows up as well for a brief month. It's, they actually, in the comics, it's pronounced Tyne. They they do a little rhyme to show it off. So uh, okay. yeah. So I, I, actually the pronunciation of that stuck with me because of the Sandman radio play. Gotcha. So, um, but yeah, it's it's been a fun show. Yeah. I've I've genuinely enjoyed it. Uh, as 
somewhat progressive comedies go. Yeah. It's it's one of those things where it, that's such a difficult line to ride, trying to write something that's progressive and funny without being preachy. And, uh, you know, sometimes it dips below that line a little bit, especially with, like, the Joker being very blatant in some of his messaging in the previous episode. But uh, as far as dealing with, you know, politics in a adult animated comedy goes, I feel like this has struck a very good balance for me. For some, probably not, but, you know, it's it's all a scale. Uh, you know, I, I haven't really thought about it too much. Like, obviously it's there, but um, I for me, I, I'm mostly just kind of in it for uh, the care. Funny enough, um, I'm just kind of in it right now for the characters that I've established. That's the that's the thing that I'm enjoying most. Like, I'm sorry, Bane and, and with the sandwich. I don't want to go too far into it, but Bane with that sandwich mm. uh, slayed me. Yeah, I mean, you you and I, we have a love for character comedy. It's why we did DBZA. Yeah. So there's pre-baked precedents in uh, there. And, and, and because I don't want to go into spoilers, what they did with a certain organization was really... There's no, there are no sacred cows in Harley Quinn. Not a single sacred cow in Harley Quinn. If you respect or, or uh, admire a character from the DC universe, chances are their version of it Fucking Nightwing! Oh my God, I was. Not... I loved Nightwing. Oh, fucking is st- like the the way they treated him was exactly right. Yeah, I wasn't expecting them to, to I'm go. Home. And he just did all of like the cliche, like, uh, huh, like when he's when he's when he's looking around the Batcave. I remember it being bigger. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good. It's a it's a good little show. It's fun. It like it does everything it does very well. Personally, in my opinion. Yeah. Your results uh, I, may vary. I will say, I was hoping by season three they would have improved their animation. Yeah, but now I, I feel like they've hit a point where, uh, I mean, HBO Max just announced that they're dropping oh, yeah, a bunch no. of shows. I mean, now we know that, fuck Zaslav, I guess. Which, oh my god, I, I, I heard Titans is getting dropped. I'm like, okay, fine. And then I heard Doom Patrol might be getting dropped. I'm like, no! That has potential! Let it let it bloom! Yeah, everyone likes Doom Patrol. Nobody likes Okay, there are people who like that. There are Titans. people that like Titans. It wouldn't get it wouldn't have gotten three seasons if yeah. nobody liked it. There, there, there are people watching it. I am not one of them. But yeah. Like Doom Patrol is a is is beloved by like the I, fan base at large. I fucking love its kooky, weird, high concept sci-fi bullshit. One of these days I'm gonna get around to watching it. It's it, it's slow to start. But it's really good, like, especially if you're the kind of, if you like the weird, stupid sci-fi shit that I like, like really weird high concept shit, things where it gets stupid meta sometimes, like, ah, man, it's it's hard to explain exactly what Doom Patrol is, but it's good, and I like it, and I want it to stay, hashtag save Doom Patrol. I, I did the, on my hand. Hashtag save Doom Patrol. I got into Fortnite. I played. I, bl- I played it with you. Yeah, and uh, I blame my job. Brienne was uh, g- giving me all kinds of shit. Like you got into Fortnite. I got. I, I got into Fortnite for my job. Okay. I would Dude, never have played it I'm s- if my job hadn't forced me to. And I like it now. I like I, it. I understand the stigma against it. Hating on the most popular thing out there is always going to be popular. Ironically. I. Yeah, I mean, I can't have hipster cred anymore. I've lost it. I've lost all of it. You, you don't get to have it anymore for enjoying something that's mainstream with the youth. 
Uh, it's it's stupid fun. I've I've always seen the appeal of it. Like as a community, as a game, and as a concept. I see why people like it. It is a free-to-play game. I would have been all over this shit, you know, if, if I was still in middle school or something like that. Because, I mean, it you have, like, Goku fighting Naruto, and, like, you have all these weird, cool events that pop in. It is amazing how many Harley Quinns, though, I've headshot. Uh, how many Vegetas have you headshot? Because that thing's like a, like, he looks like the... Nobody, the, okay, nobody plays Vegeta. I would, I like, fucking I, why? I, I've seen like I've seen like five Vegetas in the last thirty games I played. Yeah. Everyone's fucking Darth Vader though. Like there are so many fucking Darth Vaders, I, which I, makes a lot of sense. I, I wonder if there are skins that actually give you a tactical advantage, <laughs> like by being able to blend into the map a bit better. I won't lie. Um, there there are definitely some characters that are better suited for that. Uh, because if Vegeta does stick out like a sore fucking. Well, um, I mean Vegeta, he literally looks like that movie that they made for Mr. Satan in the, like, the Boo arc. Like, they all look like they have a bobblehead on because their anime proportions make their heads massive. Yeah, also, uh, Vegeta's head is just too big for his model. It just is. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I got into it. it. All it took was them taking out a core function of the game that differentiated it from other battle royales. Yeah, just get rid, just get rid, just get rid of build mode. Yeah, like, as long as I'm playing without building, I've won a couple on my own yeah, solo. You, and you and I won one and got like second place in another one immediately after that. Yeah, I, I'm i actually kind of okay at the game as long as I don't have to worry about the building mechanic. Considering what my frame rate was, I was shocked that we won that one. Like if you could see the footage that I was working with, it was literally a slideshow as I was fighting that final guy. Uh, I was like, uh, wait, everything's still freezing. Oh wait, no, we won. Yeah, the, the Fortnite event's been kind of neat. I mean, it's it hasn't been as involved as I imagined it was going to be. Like, they, they go kind of all out for some of the Marvel stuff. Um, like, where they gave you, like, the Infinity Gauntlet and you become Thanos or something. Uh, with this one, they give you uh, the uh, Flying Nimbus and the, the Kamehameha, Kamehameha, which, you know, as weapons go, good. The Nimbus is a great escape tool and the Kamehameha is... What do they give you for Naruto? I wasn't really paying attention. It, it might have been another one of those low-key, they just give you skins and stuff. You but... have to run around Konoha. Uh, oh, they put Konoha in the game? Yeah. Oh, that's kind of cool. That makes... Uh, there's actually some Dragon Ball maps if you uh, do the uh, side stuff. Oh. Um, which are kind of cute to walk around in. Um, honestly, I just did them so I could get the Dragon Balls, so I could uh, get the uh, Shenron glider. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's been an interesting event, and I, I I always wanted to like actually try the game out like a bit more. Uh, unfortunately, like my PC is old as dirt at this point, or as slowly as a PC can actually age in this era. Uh, so I do need to upgrade it if I ever want to actually stream it or play it with any actual fidelity. I uh, I recently got a. You just drank coffee, man. I know, I know. I'm I'm dying. Um, I recently uh, got a new computer. So my rig was, is it was basically up to snuff no matter what. If, even though, I will say this, I have a beast. My computer is an absolute goddamn monster. Had to, you're an editor. And it's still kind of struggling a little bit. Technology ages really fucking quickly. Ah. Uh, but yeah, uh, let's move on to something else I know we've both seen. Let's talk about, nope. 
Oh yeah, nope, 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 nope. Yep. No, nope was a good time. I, I enjoyed that movie significantly. I don't think it's his best film, but it might be my favorite of his. I, it's difficult for me because all three of his films kind of take very different approaches, uh, and that's good. I'm, I'm really glad that he's not making the same type of film over and over again. Because he has, he has an, like, Jordan Peele has an amazingly creative mind when it comes to coming up with these concepts and seeing them through. Yeah. I will say uh, it's probably my second favorite of his movies. Get Out is still all the way at the top. I think Get Out is his best movie. Yeah, it is. Uh, to me, it is his best made movie, but it's also the one that I, you know, I feel like I connected with its themes the most on. The one that I was like, okay, I fully understand what you're going for here. Where I felt it with, uh, was it Us? Yeah, us, yeah. Uh, Us's concept kind of made it a little bit harder to follow. It's the concept, it makes sense after you break it down. But it is a little bit like, in terms of its metaphor, its message, it's a little muddy it's, when, like, I, visually it's great. Visually, it's a gorgeous movie, very well shot. It has some of the funniest scenes out of all three movies. Tim Heidecker. Like, it is, it is honestly his, in a lot of ways, his funniest movie. Mm. Um, but it is also the one I feel like has the most muddy, well, has the most labored message. It's... The, it's probably the most difficult to digest as its metaphors and its messaging goes. Now, I, the messaging for nope. nope is I I so you have all that subplot with the uh, with the monkey and like oh, making and, and and I know that a lot of the message of the movie is making um, spectacle out of tragedies and 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 all the horrible things that happen in the world, but. I don't know. It just didn't feel like that really connected so much with the with the main. I, f I felt like it was more about you know the idea of man trying to dominate nature and how nature is always going to have its own way. Yeah, I mean that that is definitely because uh, like the the whole subplot with Gordy, which uh, probably the most chilling scene in the movie oh, yeah. when they actually do like the whole flashback. Uh, from uh, Andrew Yang's character, or who, sorry, Stephen Yao? Who, whoa. Uh, shoot, I'm. I'm oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah I, and that's. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I'm blanking on his name. Um, because... He's really good. He's in Tuca and Birdie, too, and I love him. Yeah, and he's uh, he's the main character in um, Invincible. Either way. Yeah, and I know his um, name, and like I feel his... like a real asshole because I'm. Sa same here. I feel like an asshole for it. But regardless, like his, his character, his whole deal is. Uh, he survived that event because he believed, you know, you can you can actually, you know, communicate and well, yeah. deal with a creature that just doesn't see the same kind of logic as humans do. That it's it is Stephen. It's Stephen Wen. Stephen Wen. Yeah, thank you. Like I kept I kept going over my head. I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the the entire. Because it's true, and there's the whole subplot with um, Keith David, mm -hmm. uh, his father, and and that message where he's like, some animals you cannot tame. Yeah, you can't tame some animals, and uh, once you realize that that's the messaging, and uh, the whole... The marketing for this was intriguing, I loved it, and it didn't give anything away, really. Oh, yeah, the no. only thing the marketing gave away is that there's a, there's a hole in the sky and it's sucking things up. Like, is it aliens? Is it nature? Is it God? With Jordan Peele, you don't fucking know. I, I don't want to spoil too much for people who haven't seen it. That's fair. But that that last shot of the thing. Yes. I fully expanded with that green emerald eye. 
I was like, oh God, Jesus, fuck. It's a, I, it, I feel like that gives it away pretty much no, I don't like think what we're does. talking about. No, okay. But just fucking biblically accurate angel shit right there. Mm -hmm. Like, fuck me. I, I felt like uh, this was a, a, a charming, disturbing little creature feature and I loved it. Yeah. And uh, I, I liked everything about the movie. I, I came out of it thinking like, well, I don't think it's his best movie. I still think Get Out is his best movie, his best made movie overall. This one's still probably my favorite, just in terms of digestibility and would I go back and rewatch it multiple times? Because uh, there, there are just so many scenes throughout that I really like, like when he's getting pranked in his uh, like stable and oh, yeah. like, the, like the, the creatures that are just like coming after like tries to take out his phone. Another one pops out. Yeah, no, <laughs> just starts walking back. Yeah. Uh, another one pops up. It's like, fuck this. Just gets the hell out of there. I, I really appreciate uh, that the the film, the characters in the film are largely self-aware, but also very like they they never feel like they're aware that they're in a movie. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Even the tech guy, who I thought was going to be the most obnoxious character, and in a lot of ways still kind of was. Oh yeah. Like I. I didn't end up hating him like I thought I was going to when he first showed up. Yeah, very interestingly. Also, the oh my god, the uh, the filmographer that uh, the, the oh the yeah the documentarian. Oh my god, he is my favorite character in the entire thing, and he has like only a couple lines, but just like the attitude and the way he acts is so. He, he's 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 the quintessential like old grizzled hunter, you know, like uh, you know you had the character from Jaws to balance off uh, Adrian Brody. Oh yeah, he is one hundred percent that character. Mm -hmm. And he's it, just, I just want to get the I just want to get the shot. I'm gonna get the perfect shot. It's like light's not right. I gotta do this myself. And he goes out there to like. He didn't uh, have an accent. I, I'm just giving him an accent. <laughs> Let me give people accents sometimes. But no, he's he's fantastic. He does have that like great gruff voice. Oh yeah. Oh my god, that voice made me, I think that's kind of what sold him on me, like the, the part that made me love him the most. Mm -hmm. is that every time he talked, I was kind of like melting in my seat. Yeah. Uh and it's it's such an intriguing movie too. Uh, I I know we've given away like a decent amount of stuff. I, I I'm trying to limit the spoilers, but just the more you learn as it goes on, it's something that Jordan Peele is very good at with his screenwriting is giving you that sort of um, uh, almost Lovecraftian trickle of information where like the more information you get, the more tense things are getting. And uh, we talked about this a little earlier, but the fucking sound design in this movie made it for Oh me. yeah, all of his films have stupid good sound design. I want to, I want to like work with those people one day just to learn from them. This one in particular, like when, when you're hearing like the, the first time something happens and you hear those like screams from a distance and you're like wondering, okay, what is causing this? Is there like a rapture event happening? Where are these screams coming from? And then you realize how they're being produced and why they exist. And you're like, oh my God. Yeah, it's so good because whatever, like Jordan Peele is fantastic at laying out scenarios that have you asking a million questions. And then every time a small piece of information is introduced, it recolors everything you watched mm -hmm. in a way that's like it, it, it immediately informs you. It, you're like, there's no wait. Is that what that was? No, you see it, you get it, and it, it then it's like, oh, okay, that was that. But then what is that? 
there's like these a billion little mysteries in the movie that really lend well to a rewatch because now that you have like all these questions oh, yeah. answered by the end of the movie, you go back it's like, okay, so now can I piece together a few of these things and make a little bit more sense out of some of these other bits? And I love that in movies. Yeah. And I think he's a fucking master of uh, that form of film craft. He has found an amazing niche in uh, like horror and suspense. There's, I just realized something. There's something uh, really symbolic about the fact that he keeps the quarter, mm -hmm. much like uh, Stephen Nguyen kept the shoe. Yep. Um, and I think that's, I think that's a really interesting parallel. Yeah. Uh, probably one of my favorite movies of the summer, honestly. I mean, I, everything, everywhere, all at once is probably my favorite movie of the year. Oh yeah, I did. But yeah. This is up there in terms of like movies I've enjoyed just going out and watching on my own. I uh, I haven't I've I've seen a couple of different films throughout the year. Um, nope was definitely the one of the ones I was most excited about. I won't lie. Um, trying to think, I, I unfortunately I'm blanking on a lot of this stuff. Actually, probably Jordan Peele now has this. Uh, I am not afraid to say that anytime a new Jordan Peele movie is announced, I'm going to be excited for it. Uh, I feel the same way anytime an Edgar Wright movie is announced. It's like, oh shit, he's making another movie. I'm going to go see that. Uh, I wasn't huge on Last Night in Soho, and oh, yeah. uh, Baby Driver was, you know, not quite as good as the Cornetto trilogy. But I'm, I still give, you know, I'll, I'll still go out and see. I I, I judge a uh, I judge most creators on their best work, by and large. Um, if, if, if somebody only ever makes one really good thing, I'll still admire that good thing. I'll still admire the person who made it. If Edgar Wright's career starts to just, like, not be as good as his first four or five movies, that's fine. The, he made some of my favorite fucking movies of all time. I'll deal. The He'll still be yeah. one of my favorite directors of all time. And he's still really good at directing the movies. Like... Uh... That's the thing. Like right now, he's he's in a position where he's done amazing stuff. He he is a cult favorite director out there for a very good reason. Scott Pilgrim, the Cornetto trilogy. It's very hard to touch those. The best parts of Ant Man. Best parts of Ant Man. Uh, so he's kind of like earned that position there. So now when he goes out and just does his avant garde, whatever the hell he wants, movies, I respect that. He uh, he did a documentary mm -hmm. lately uh, recently. I haven't seen anything about it. Yeah, I haven't seen that either, uh, but I'm sure it's good. Let's see. Uh, I guess we'll move on to Better Call Saul. Yeah, yeah. Because you just recently finished Breaking Bad, and then in the span of like a week and a half, I feel, you just BAM! Better Call Saul. Yeah, it was probably closer to about uh, three weeks. Okay. Um, it, it felt really quick of a turnaround as for... Uh, I just remember how long it took you to get through Breaking Bad, and then Better yeah. Call Saul felt like well, because um, me and my friend Gavin, uh, pregame Gav, as a lot of people might know him, uh, we were watching through Breaking Bad together, uh, and we were only doing maybe an episode, maybe an episode or two uh, every time we would watch, and you know we couldn't do it every night. Uh, when I got to Better Call Saul, though, it was all me until season six, in which case that's when we actually started watching through the episodes together again. Um, and yeah, I, I blazed through Better Call Saul. I zoomed on it, that one. It is a very bingeable show. Uh, in a lot of ways, I liked it more than Breaking Bad. 
Like there, there are some things that uh, Vince Gilligan and the other showrunners picked up along the way through making Breaking Bad that I feel like really benefited the production of Better Call Saul. So uh, Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad are very two two very and, and they're, it's fascinating how different shows they actually are considering that there's a lot of shared characters, shared universe, shared themes, shared uh, like everything. It shares so much, but because their main characters are so vastly different, you find uh, a very different story with a, diff a different tone, different problems. And also, I, I said this, um, watching Better Call Saul, there are, there's, there's action, there's suspense, there's drama, but Breaking Bad felt like a car swerving into head-on traffic and narrowly avoiding cars. Better Call Saul, never quite hits that level of craziness of and like it's never so harrowing um you're never like and, and i think part of that is because you know where things end up you know where at least a couple of these characters end up other ones you don't mm -hmm. and those are like for me those are some of the most fascinating characters it's why like mike urban trout may be my favorite character in the show but my second favorite, and maybe actual favorite, is Kim Wexler. She is one of my favorite characters in fiction now. And I'm not kidding. Stupendously great actress. Oh like, yeah, oh my she, god. She has some chops in this show, and uh, is just fantastic throughout. Um, of course, uh, I mean, Bob Odenkirk is just an immensely charming person and plays Saul to perfection. Oh yeah. Uh, oh. Saul slash Jimmy. Uh, and just both Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul are very analogous to Greek tragedies. Yeah. As, as you watch, you know, something get built up, getting ready for a tremendous fall. And the fall does come for Jimmy multiple times, I feel, as he's, uh, it kind of tested and forged throughout this into what would become Saul Goodman. So uh, I, I I talked a little bit about this. Um, Walter White watching Breaking Bad was me waiting for Walt to just fucking fail. I wanted to see him fail because it's very early on and really really weird to look back on the culture of Breaking Bad when it was coming out. There were people who idolized Walter White. Oh God! They're the same. They're the, sa they're the same kind of people that idolize characters like Travis Bickle. I, and, and you know what? I I was probably there. If I were watching Breaking Bad when it was coming out, I too think I would have been like, no, he's doing it for his family. He's doing like he wants to become this crime boss, and you know he'll he'll run things better. But no, watching it watching it as a full grown ass adult with everything that I've watched and consumed and the life experiences I've had, watching Walter White is like watching a pathetic old man bluff his way through a world he has no part in, causing immeasurable harm, and ultimately leading to the ruination of life after life after life, finally culminating in his own. I, it is crazy to me that anyone nowadays would look at Walter White and think anything, anything besides He's a pathetic, toxic man who definitely deserved what he got in the end. It's an empowerment fantasy. I mean, what, what you're looking at is a, a man who 
has basically just let, let life dominate him. Like, he gave up on some things very early on, and he let that become who he was, and he decided to change that in a very unhealthy way. Yeah. It, it, it was him. It was him looking at like missing out on uh, on certain things that he felt owed. Uh, it was him putting this onus on himself, but also using that onus as an excuse to be toxic. It's it, it, it like I know it's a buzzword that a lot of people like to throw around, but toxic masculinity is a thing. And he's literally he even talks about how his father was like, you know, don't show emotion, don't be open about yourself. With that conversation he has with, uh, not Skyler, uh, with Walter Jr. is so illuminating. And it's really depressing. Because those, you get these brief moments in the show of Breaking Bad where you get to see Walter be a human fucking being. Let it out. Acknowledge that he has done terrible things. And in those moments, you just... You want him to get better. You want him to hold on to that. Jimmy, James McGill, Saul Goodman, is not Walter White. Nope. But he also has a perception of reality that every time he gets close to being the good guy, he wants to be. He wants to be a good person. The, the way he was brought up and the ideas that were instilled in him as a child ruined him every time. It, it, it started with that flashback in the store where his dad's just, you know, you, you see his dad continuously getting fleeced by people. Yep. And, and in this case, it's just a guy that is essentially like robbing him of some money just by asking to borrow some. And then he shows, you know, he shows Jimmy, who's like working the till, that he has money to buy cigarettes and stuff. And he's like, you know, you got to learn how to look out for yourself. There's wolves and sheep, kid. Don't be, uh, don't be a sheep. And from that point onward, as his dad begins to fail, some of which to like Jimmy's fault, because obviously he did rob them blind, as Chuck likes yeah. to point out, uh, it, it all just becomes this compounded nature for him where like, you know, this is the way he feels like he has to navigate the world. And his brother, while I'm sure Chuck believes he meant the best for Jimmy, was immensely jealous of him because he, because Jimmy had that little boy favoritism, uh, even on you know his mother's deathbed. The last thing she asked was, "Where's Jimmy?" As Chuck watched her die, and Jimmy's off getting sandwiches. So that whole relationship was fucked from like the start. Oh yeah, uh, sorry. Um, spoilers. Yeah, throughout. Spoilers. Uh, that, that, that's that's a season two spoiler. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but if you haven't watched any, Better Call Saul. Spoilers. Yeah. Um, better call like so. James McGill is such a fascinating character because, as you said, he's instilled at this early age with there are wolves and sheep. So that means that he can look at the world and basically process it in a way where he doesn't have to follow the rules because he thinks the world doesn't follow the rules that it sets. And meaning he can do whatever as long as it justifies the means. As long as the outcome is good, he can do whatever it takes to get there. And and he can also, like, the worse he gets, like, the farther he falls, the more deranged things that he thinks are good ends. Like, that's that's the scary part for Chuck, is that in, Jay, uh, in, in his brother, he sees, look, I know right now 
you want to do these things. You want to buy and scheme and get what you want for good reasons. But if at any point you stop doing these things for good reasons, you will be the most dangerous man out there. And while throughout the entirety of like the first season and the second season, I think it's hard to really like Chuck because he's not a likable person, really. He, he's very full of himself. He's very pompous. He's he he lacks humanity in a lot of ways because he like keeps some stuff, keeps parts of him like comp like compartmentalized away, which drives people out of his life. And then you have, uh, you know, the complete opposite in Jimmy, who's very personable, very friendly. But Chuck believes in the letter of the law to the word. And he sees that, you know, if you give somebody like, you know, slipping Jimmy McGill the ability to understand what the law is and to manipulate it by way of, you know, his charisma, like he says, it's like giving a chimp a machine gun. So it's I hate to I hate to break this down into something so simple and so meme-tastic. But you know, you have the alignment chart, right? You have the lawful, you have chaotic, and you have neutral. And if you take a look at the characters of James, Chuck, and Kim, you literally have, with with James, you have chaotic. Mm -hmm. With Chuck, you have lawful. With Kim, you have neutral. I don't think so. Uh, I, I would absolutely say so. Because I, she she rides the line between the two of them. I think you're, like, if you're talking pure alignments, I think Jimmy is chaotic neutral. Chuck is lawful neutral. Kim is chaotic good. She wants to do the right things, but she will use Jimmy's methods to do it. And at a certain point, he pulls her down to his level. He pulls her, yeah, he pulls her away, but she starts out very much neutral good. She's She sees in a lot of the ways that Jimmy acts and is like, I see how that works for you. But she also has a massive amount of respect for Chuck and hell, even Howard. Like early on, you can see that she's trying to ride the line. She's trying to be that good lawyer who's working within the boundaries. It's why she doesn't complain when she's given shit tasks after she stands up for uh, James. She doesn't, uh, she doesn't like fucking lambast Howard then. She just does what she's supposed to do. But then as she sees the system more and more for what it is, as because, like, you're not, you're not going to get what you want this way. She starts to yeah, because slide Jay, more Yeah, because more. James is a very bad influence on her. But as we find out, she is also a bad influence on him. Because where he introduces these concepts and ideas that ultimately take her away from what she actually wants to do, she enables him by always believing the best in him, making excuses for him, and sticking by him even when she knows that it's not in anyone's best interest to do so. And her plans, uh, you know, for what they are, do, do turn out to be a bit more nefarious than Jimmy's do on their own. Yeah, because where J Jimmy will do stuff for like petty revenge, like he'll do petty plots, uh, sometimes he'll do something a bit more Machiavellian in order to get like the big win, but he, he never goes as far as they do in the final season. And part of that comes down to, uh, Kim is better at than Jimmy at everything, literally everything. Yeah, he's, he's very much playing by the seat of his pants a lot, just assuming that he'll be able to talk his way out of things. But she has more knowledge. She's she like the only thing that she's not better at is his ability to talk and come up with stuff on the top of his head. But she is a better lawyer. 
in terms of like knowing the law and being able to utilize it for what she wants. She's uh, she's a better more, tactician. She, yeah, she's a better tactician. She's more coordinated. So them combined is terrible, and and them combined ruins people's lives as we see. Mm -hmm. And that's why I love her. I love watching her. I love the way that she is drugged down over the course of the series and the way she responds to not not again not just Jimmy but Chuck and Howard the the way that she processes all this information and tries to live her life it's I don't know I love it it's it's like Vince Gilligan spitting on the people who complained about Skylar mm. Which, by the way, Skylar in the first two seasons is only narratively annoying because she like keeps the plot from moving on. But she was absolutely in the right the entire time. Yep. I will not fucking hear otherwise. Skylar, you know what? I'm glad she fucked Ted. I'm glad she fucked Ted. And anyone who calls that cheating, she literally broke up with Walt. She tried to kick him out of her house. That wasn't cheating. She told him it was over. She told him it was done. And then he gaslit her and then got back into her house. She deserved to fuck Ted. Justice for Skylar. Let her get that dick. I mean, Ted was a, Ted was a fucking idiot. Yeah, he was a fucking yeah. dumbass. And he, and he ended up, you know. But <laughs> what ends up with Ted? Good. Fuck him. Fuck that idiot. That I, fucking I, moron. I, 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 uh, like, Bill Burr was really good in Breaking Bad, too. Oh, like, my God. I was so sad. Like, I guess this is a minor spoiler. He doesn't come back in Better Call Saul. I was so sad. I wanted to see more Bill Burr. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh, an another character that I really loved in Better Call Saul, who was... It almost felt like a throwaway line in Breaking Bad. But uh, two characters were introduced from one line. Are you with Lalo? It, it wasn't me, it was Ignacio. So you get introduced to Nacho and eventually Lalo because of that one line that Saul threw out there in the beginning of uh, Breaking Bad. And and that's that's retroactive. That's obviously Vince going back and being like he mentioned I, these yeah, characters. Yeah, I, I need to have characters for that. But watching Saul as he gets into this world, like, and seeing him work his way up from his initial negotiation with Tuco, which I think is beautiful and brilliant, like, literally saving three people's lives by, uh, in, like, you know, flating the ego of Tuco, and it's like, you know, no, 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 you're, you're clearly a man who knows justice, and, you know, you're a just person, so what would be a justice befitting this crime for these people? Uh, I'll cut out their tongues. No, no, uh, uh, how about we get rid of their way of being able to do their, uh, their right. grift, yep. you know? Break their legs so they can't do the thing that they do. Yeah. That, that way, you know, they know that it's brutal, they know that you'll come after them, but it's fair. And that was a like the first brilliant scene where I'm like, no, I think I'm gonna dig this show. Yeah, and that also, like that scene is so important because it literally is what got him into the life. It got him into the game. Mm -hmm. And not just because it like it was him, you know, technically negotiating with the fucking cartel. It was him showing the cartel that he is a talker. The, everyone's yeah, like, cause, cause, wait a second, he talked down Tuco? Yeah. That's the, everyone's like, holy shit, yeah. we gotta get this guy. Exactly, because Nacho's there that entire time and he sees through Saul. He knows like, okay, you're just bullshitting, but yeah. you're able to talk down this meth head, hot head dude that was prone to just like, Tuco, like Nacho expected to dig three holes that day. Yep. And he didn't dig any. So he's like, okay, this guy's legit. I might be like, you know, if something happens, I might be able to work with this guy. And he does. And uh, 
The fucking Nacho's great throughout this. Uh, he's the same guy that played Voss in uh, Far Cry 3. I will say this. So, I feel like Better Call Saul does one thing mostly better than Breaking Bad, in that its characters aren't... Uh, not, like, in Breaking Bad, Skyler, Walter Jr., um, basically Walt's family, Marie, it has some side characters that kind of slow the plot down. Don't feel like they're adding a whole lot. Later they do. Um, I, 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 I came to love the entire cast of Breaking Bad, but early on, it, you can tell that Vince is still trying to figure out what he wants to do with all the characters that he's introduced, how to write for them, what plots to make for them. Better Call Saul, for the most part, doesn't have that problem, except for me, with Nacho. Really? Well, again, specifically early on. Later, like, comes about season three and onward, Nacho takes a very steep climb in terms of my favorite characters. That's because his agency continues to rise. Yeah. But in the first two seasons, especially in the first season, he kind of comes off as just, like, a punk. Like, he's he, he doesn't come off nearly as intimidating or as important as I feel like Vince wanted him to feel in those moments, especially since... Uh, Saul has to bail his ass out mm -hmm. uh, with the Kettleman's, which, by the way, the Kettleman's. Oh, oh my, my god. god. Yep. But Nacho, the moment that Nacho has to work with Gus, the moment we get to that, like, I, I love the stuff with him and, and, uh, was it Hector? Uh, Salamanca, yeah. Yeah. Um, all that stuff, it's good, it's good. It's like watching him desperately try and get rid of the people that are ruining his life, totally great. But it isn't until he's drugged into the stuff with Gus that you suddenly become really invested in what's going to happen to him because it puts him now in a very reactive, kind of tragic scenario, mm -hmm. which by the way, you want to talk about a tragic character, Nacho is tragedy on top of tra tragedy. I mean, because you have this character who, uh, he's, he's quote-unquote like, you know, the rogue with a heart of gold. I mean, obviously he's a criminal and he's oh, yeah, more no. than likely killed a number of people. Yeah, but, he's, he, uh, he doesn't deserve, he does not deserve the best in the world. He, he, uh, he, you can tell that he, if he could, he'd get out of all of this. Yeah, he would he, step away from it, never do it again, go help his dad, and live a fucking just peaceful life. He is Jesse, the Jesse Pinkman of this show. And he, like, it's very much illustrated in a specific conversation, I think in like season or I want to say with, where, with uh, uh, yeah, where, where he's talking to, you know, the boss. Don Lario. Yeah, Don Lario. And he's like, so, uh, you know, I just want to talk, talk to you one-on-one. -on -one. What, what would you, like, you know, what is it that you want? You know, like, I, 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 it's, it's easy to motivate people when I know exactly what they want and I know where they want to go. It's just like, I just want to do things. I just want to go my own way. I want to do things my own way and I don't want to have to look over my shoulders like, you're in the wrong business. It's like, yeah, that's kind of... Yeah, funny. yeah. It's like, don't, him saying you're in the wrong business to Nacho Varga, fucking, oh my God, what a... What a horrible thing to say to this poor it's guy. Because like, he's just sitting there like, I know. And and he's able to keep that like stoic expression the whole time. He, he has a really good stare. Yeah. And at, at first he's faking it. Mm -hmm. you, you know, he's really putting on a show. But as the course of the show goes on, he gets... This poor stone. The, gets, show, the show batters him. Yeah, he gets he, he he gets tossed from Tuco, like working directly under Tuco. He's like you know Tuco's number two guy, to working under 
uh, Hector Salamanca, who actually gets a chance to talk and act without just ringing a bell, which I thought was really good. The guy's great. Yeah, we only got like one scene of that yeah. in the uh, in Breaking Bad. Here, he's, no, he's a yeah, full-on he, character. And he sold Mike a goon. A goon? $10,000 and the goon is yours. Yes. Um, I, a, bit of, a bit of a meme, but I love it. Uh, it's a meme. And then he has to work with the twins, uh, who were we, already a disruptive The cousins! Course. Yep. Oh my god! The fact that the cousins get to just basically... One of my friends actually was like, would you recommend Breaking Bad before, or, or after, like, Better Call Saul before Breaking Bad? I'm like, no, absolutely not. No, the introduction, the way those characters are used, it, no, you have to watch Better Call Saul after. At mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah, as, as a prequel, it definitely works better as a sequel, funny enough. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, you get introduced to one of my favorite characters in the show. I know you and I are a bit divided on this, but Lalo. I love the actor, I love his charm, and I love how he can just kind of like flip on a dime, like just being charming and smiling too. Like he just has the eyes of a shark. Yeah, he's, uh, well, he's basically supposed to be the arch nemesis of Gus. He's supposed to be like, what if Gus Frang but with the, uh, you know, the uh, tactical knowledge and ability to get shit done of Mike. Yeah, a little bit. Because, uh, like, where Gus is, I've got guys to do that for me. Lalo is, oh, I'll go do it. Yeah, Lalo's, I got guys that can do that for me. But fuck it, I'll do it. Yeah, no, I, I will say this. My favorite part about Lalo is his giddiness to be involved. Mm -hmm. He is never Mr. I'll just sit back and let other people take care of it. He's, hey, you know, he'll he'll jump up and be like, all right, all right, let's go. Show me. Yeah, show me. And, and uh, but I, I feel like while there are parts of Lalo that I really did like, there were also parts where I was just kind of like, okay, I get what they're going for with him, but it felt like they were trying a little too hard with the, with the cheeriness, but also the violence. Like, I get this character. I've seen you, this yeah, character. Yeah, you've, you've seen that character before. I I, I, I get that. And I, yeah. I understand where you're coming from there. For me, I feel like, you know, while yes, I have seen this type of character before, uh, the way it's pulled off so masterfully by the actor and the way he's written and just like the situations that he finds himself in and finds himself going through, uh, I, I just think he's like my favorite version of that trope. Yeah, he's, he, he does a good job. I, I don't want to like take it away from him. Like, you know, I just, in a, in a show that gave me Gus Spring, I look at Lalo and I think, you're good. You're not Gus Spring, but you're good. He's, he's Gus Spring if Gus had charisma. Like, Gus is very good at being controlled and centered. Yeah. Which, uh, oh my god. Like, Gus is so fucking fascinating in this show. In, in, uh, Breaking Bad, you only get two versions of him. You get, you get a brief glimpse at the Gus ring before he lost everything and decided that the Salamanca, the whole, the whole cartel needed to fucking go down. And then you get... Well, the Gus Ring of Breaking Bad, the one that's like this machine, basically. One that Gus Ring was always a better Walter White. It, got, yeah, he was. He was basically the what Walter White desperately wanted to be, um, and he was like the 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 thing about Gus Ring is that Gus Ring was not happy. Mm. Gus Ring wasn't mad. Uh, like all all Gus Ring had by the end of his life was his vengeance, his anger, his vengeance, his lust for death, uh, and control and power. That's the only things he cared about by the end of it, which isn't explored a whole lot in the text. 
I feel like you don't see you don't get quite get a lot of that but in Better Call Saul there's a moment that really hurt was it the bar was it the wine bar it was the wine bar because that that is such a tragic scene where you see that like he desperately wants something more in life but he can't have it because his enemies would never let him and let me be clear Gus Fring is a actual monster Gus Fring like deserved dude his his monologue about the Kawati yeah the, fucking hell yeah total monster this isn't this isn't a oh I idolize Gus Fring or oh I feel so bad for him but when you get to know these characters and you see them there's a, there is a part of you that desperately would love to watch them figure something out take a step towards good Be, being able to see the human beneath the monster yeah because you, you like you like the I think we all kind of like the idea of bad people getting better you know get, like even if even after all the things they've done it still feels good to watch a, a bad person realize something about themselves that helps them take a step towards something better and in that moment there is something better for Gus Fring but the moment that 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 thing leaves the room he realizes no I can't do this I can't dedicate my life to anything besides what I've got I can't allow myself to be happy yeah I can't allow myself to be happy and you have to wonder in that moment is it because like he's worried that if he allows himself to be happy it makes him vulnerable or is it that he doesn't believe he's allowed to be happy it's yeah you can read into it a million different ways and so Gus Gus gets up and leaves and that watching that I was like I didn't expect I, I honestly did not expect to get a lot of character development for Gus Fring in Better Call Saul but that that was so good um and again it's not about it's not about oh I just want Gus Fring to be happy it's watching these characters come so close it's <laughs> it's it's being able to watch these uh, humanizing moments for all these characters that are like larger than life like like mike mm -hmm. mike Ermentrout, like let's be honest mike deserved to be happy early on earlier on yeah he he was a dirty cop but he lost his son over it he he felt awful for it he didn't kill anybody he did he did some dirty jobs but he he always tried to be as close as to the on the up and up as he could be and while still making money to support his family and you get to watch uh kind of in parallel as both mike and jimmy start to slide down this dark path mike as he gets uh more acquainted with the salamancas and eventually gus uh and mike has to like oversee things for gus he basically becomes his primary enforcer by the uh end of the third season i want to say and uh man just the the fucking tragedy of uh, i can't remember the architect's name uh oh the, uh, the, uh, the german guy yeah yeah uh siegler yeah siegler oh my god that that shot is th that's where mike that that would be, that's basically the moment where mike that was his half measure full measure moment. yeah that I first just, of all siegler's a fucking idiot oh yeah he's that, an absolute that, idiot he he did not understand the scope of what he was dealing with yeah that and mike tried to explain it to him yeah so like, i i feel i feel sympathy for siegler but fuck. while he does not deserve what happened to him you understand how it comes to pass yeah. and poor mike has to be the one like you know when he's talking to gus he's like 
Uh, and Gus is saying, like, look, he's, he's a liability. It needs to be taken care of. Mike's saying, I'd go another way. And Gus is like, get it done. Click. Yep, that's... And... Mike is so... The reason, the reason that Mike is so interesting is that he has a set of morals that he has dedicated himself to. He makes a deal. He keeps up that end of the deal. No matter what. It's like he says to um, uh, Pierce. I think his name was Pierce uh, early on. It's like, I've I've known uh, I've known good criminals and I've known bad cops. You know, one way or the other, whether you're good or bad, you broke the law. So now you're a you're criminal. criminal. You can be a good criminal. That's up to you. You just like what you do from here on. You've already stepped beyond that line. Yeah. So it, to him, it's all about like the code of honor, and uh, he almost has this kind of like knight errant uh, feel about him, where he, he almost goes by his own code of chivalry. Well, I, I I have a particular love for characters who realize that law is not mor morality, and morality is not law. You can't like the idea that breaking the law is inherently immoral to me. Sorry, I just don't agree with that. Um, now that doesn't mean I don't think we should have laws. Obviously, I do. But I, I like characters that can kind of separate the, like, look, you can break the law and still be a good person. People do it all of the time. And you can follow the law and still be, be an evil piece of shit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because laws are man-made and man is fallible. Mm -hmm. um, and so, Mike, the, the only thing he cares about, as you said, is that code of ethics that he, he adheres to no matter what. And... That's why when he does things that feel so dirty and wrong, you can still understand where he's coming from. He agreed to, to do something. He agreed to be a part of the situation um, for better or for worse. And now he's holding up his end of the bargain, um, which, you know, in, in some ways kind of just wants you to tell Mike, Mike, stop getting involved with this shit. But then he only ever got involved because they wouldn't leave him alone. I, I absolutely love the scene where after uh, they start giving him security paychecks, he just shows up and actually does the job. Yeah, no, and that's okay. I'm sorry. I could spend an entire episode with Mike Ehrmantraut going to that fucking warehouse, warehouse like talking to people, getting shit in order. Oh my God. Do you know how easy it was for me to get in here? You're not wearing a hard hat. You need to wear your safety strap and that needs to be three degrees colder. Yeah. <laughs> Just, he's, oh. he's such a, he's such a great actor. Uh, I, I watched Community after I watched Breaking Bad. I didn't and when know. He, and when he showed up in season five, the character he plays in that is just so fucking great. I need to watch that season. Watch I, season if five. If I'd known that he was in that, I would have watched it already. Watch season five. I know, like, just skip season four. Season, season four of Community sucks. Oh, yeah, I know. It's basically a gas leak. He's, he, yeah, they call it the gas leak here. But he's, he's fucking hysterical because he's essentially still playing Mike, an old grizzled cop, like, that retired and is now teaching criminology. But with like some Dan Harmon comedy right. written in there. Like he just wants to be a cartoonist. He's a duck, his name is Fred, and publishers are interested. <laughs> I need to watch that really badly. It's great. Um, but yeah, no, Mike Mike is one of my favorite characters. Kim's one of my favorite characters. Jimmy's great. I will say Chuck. Chuck is definitely a, a He's a interesting. Weird... He's one that on rewatches, I began to understand a bit more. Oh, I understood him. 
that was not my problem. My problem was he was very aggravating to be around. But that's kind of his point. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where he's right. He is absolutely right in a majority of the things he says, but the way he tries to go about it is the worst possible way to try to get any actual tangible good results. That's a lot of characters in the show, to be honest. A yes, lot of but him specifically, that, that, that's where the frustration with Chuck is. Because uh, deep down, there's still probably some love for Jimmy, but he is ultimately the reason that Jimmy becomes Saul. He yeah. is the catalyst. I... I Okay, so yeah, I don't have to worry about the spoilers. Um, so <laughs> it was really funny. After I like finished the first five seasons, my friend was like, "So, what did you think of the episode?" Now, when I say the episode, out of five fucking seasons of television in Better Call Saul, which episode do you think I'm talking about? There are so many I can think of, but I'm guessing it's Lantern. Is that the one with the, uh, the fire? No. Okay, what, the, which is the episode? The one with the cell phone. Oh yeah, the one right before... That still might actually be Lantern. I... It, no, 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 it's right before... That That one was the one before Lantern. Yeah, um, it, it's uh something antics. Uh, Cantankerous? Cantankerous, I think is the name of it. By the way, it's, it's Jimmy's trial, essentially. Yeah. And uh, the moment Huel bumped into him, I knew actually what was happening. The moment Huel did it, I was like... Oh, he just put something electronic on him, didn't he? But then they they then they give you the twist where it's like, aha, no battery in there. Okay, check your other pocket. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fucking. Uh, by the way, that's some fucking magician shit right there. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? But you check your side pocket. Yeah. Which that is very very good, and also, ow. Yeah, because oh. uh, his whole psychosomatic breakdown, which caused him to believe, like, it basically just gave him some immense agoraphobia, which he blamed on a uh, inability to, like, an, an allergy yeah. to electricity. Yeah, he, 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 that's essentially what it is. And, which, by the way, I love how the doctor comes and is like, that's not a thing. Turns, it turns on a light behind him. Well, no, the, the bed. She, uh, she turns on the bed beneath him and nothing happens, and, you know, like, Saul's like, that was dirty, and she's like, really? Because, yeah, well, to me, it just proved that he's crazy, and you need to do something about it. And, oh my god. It's, it's a cycle of characters enabling each other, and yep. then sabotaging each other. That, that, that seems to be what the McGill family does. You know, I think the entire show is the in danger of enabling the people close to you to continue to, uh, you know, exhibit and follow through on unhealthy behavior and then there's the whole motif of the winner takes it all yeah uh and how like i mean it really shows how much polar opposites both jimmy and chuck were because jimmy terrible singer every time you see him trying to sing like I, I don't know if bob odenkirk literally cannot sing to save his life or if he's just playing it up oh i i bet i bet he can sing a, a way better than but jimmy J but, but can. jimmy cannot sing and then when chuck starts singing the duet along with him and he starts actually getting in the limelight and stealing the microphone away from jimmy trying to be the center of attention because he's way better at it and, and but jimmy was okay with those moments yeah. because it was getting his brother to finally stand out and and that's and I think that's the worst part about it is that if if Chuck really wanted that he could have had it, but he always got so undermined and so frustrated at his brother, like it's it's just 
it's really, it is very tragic. There's a reason that there are a million character study essays on YouTube out there of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, because all of these characters are just so interesting to take a deep dive into. I'm really glad in the last episode that we finally got Jimmy just flat out saying he's the one who killed his brother. Because he is. He's the one who did it. He's the one that drove him to it. Yeah, because, it, and it was, and the worst part was, it was a throwaway. It, it was a throwaway comment. He, in that one moment, he realized, you know what, I could fuck over Chuck right now. And he does. And that was it. Mm -hmm. If he hadn't done that with his insurance, with his uh, malpractice insurance, he wouldn't have killed his brother. That was the thing that finally pushed Howard to tell, uh, to tell uh, Chuck, you're done. Yeah, you need to. You need to stay out of this. You 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 need to like. You are. You're obviously not good to do this anymore. By the way, Howard Hamlin. Don't want to spend too much time on him, but talking about tragic characters, he did not deserve that. He did and, not deserve any of that. Oh my god. Among a show of fantastic performances, another fantastic performance. Like I, I can't think of a single actor in this show that I didn't like. I mean. That that actor, by the way, I swore I'd heard him somewhere he's, before, but he's I don't a, think I had. He's a character actor, and he has done a bunch of voiceover. Yeah, man, I I've checked all of his stuff. I, I don't think I'd actually like seen anything with him in it before. But he's so good. He's like the way that he talks, the way that he actually carries himself. Oh my god! Oh, and his failed marriage, and oh, by the end of it, I'm really, really, really glad. Like the way that everything came out in the, that final episode. Very happy. Yeah, uh, it was interesting when we finally like flipped from flashback to the present event stuff. And it's like, okay, now we don't know what's going to happen, and I'm interested to see how this turns out. And you see Jimmy kind of go down his dark ways again, just uh, for seemingly like little to no reason, and entrapping some well, people into his scheme. See, that part I could almost forgive. I could almost forgive that part because he was like, yeah, now you can't tell anybody who I am. Yeah, he, was, he essentially did like a criminal plot just to get some dudes off his back because it's like, hey, uh, what you just did, this is a felony here. This would be 15 to 20. This would be 25 to 30. Don't talk to me. This is this is what we call mutually assured destruction should either of us decide to talk to somebody. Unfortunately, that gave him the taste. Yeah. It was it, it was a fucking extinction event. He had gotten so close. Or an extinction burst. And it's an extinction burst. And where he, you have an addiction and you're just so close from getting over the addiction, but then you're like, maybe I'll just have one, and then the next thing you know, like 20 candy bars. It gets your side is ruined. And, and it gets so much worse than it ever had been before because he he like Oh yeah, an extinction fell back in hard. Extinction bursts usually come up with like it's that it's that low point and then it goes way higher than your average. Mm -hmm. And yeah, off he, the wagon super hard with Jimmy and then finally uh we get the ending and I don't know if I want to spoil the ending despite the fact that there's a lot of stuff to talk about with that ending. I will say this. I truly feel bad for Kim. Truly. Even even though she did absolutely do the, the wrong thing for years, even though she's absolutely responsible for what happened with Howard, even though she deserved to be, you know, to basically go to prison, she wanted the best for the people that she was trying to help. She did pro bono work. She put herself out there. She believed in Chuck and Jimmy. 
I truly felt bad for her. But by the end of it, I honestly felt like, yeah, you know what? This is right. Where she ended up and what she decided to do, I feel like was the last little influence that she had on Saul slash Jimmy because he he ends up, you know, kind of like in a in a space where uh, after hearing what she had done, he ends up making a huge change and kind of fucking himself over but for it, the it, best reasons. But it's so funny because she, you know, like that conversation where she's like, you need to turn yourself in. Oh yeah? What's you turn yourself in? Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> and then, and and then he's like, I'm going to get off with seven years, bitches. And then, yeah, she, after, and then after, he hears everything. And then he hears, oh yeah, by the way, Kim confessed. And then Jimmy's like, huh? Oh no, nah, I ain't being not done. Nah, nah, I, nah. I ain't done. Nah, yet. she thinks she thinks she's got the moral high ground. Uh-uh, no I'll way. I'll show you the moral high ground. Which I'm sorry, I actually do think that part of that was motivated. It was it was partially motivated from him wanting to do the right thing. It's like, oh shit, she did the right thing. Maybe I, it's time I own up. Yeah, but also I'm sorry. The fact that he had her there just so he could be like, by the way, I wanted you here for this. And then fucking just, just let it loose. Let's loose on it. Like, holy and, fucking shit. And then he just like, I can't think of a more appropriate ending for him because endings are very hard, but he ends up in a space where he's essentially a celebrity. Like yeah. every everybody around him loves him. And he's just going to spend like he's just going to spend his time in this space doing essentially what he was doing uh, in like w when he was in, you know, criminal protection, like the criminal protection program. Uh, but now doing it amongst his people. Yeah. Man, yeah, that's I find that I it is a fascinating show. Uh, obviously we just spoiled a bunch of things for it if you haven't watched it, but it is still very much worth it just for the characters, just for the writing, and I can't recommend this show enough. I Personally, again, I liked it better than Breaking Bad. Yeah. I'm wondering, is there anything that people are gonna... There's gonna be something. There's always something that somebody brings up well, in the comments, like, you didn't bring up Blink? And I'm like, we could spend hours talking about Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad and never talk about Blink. God. Mm -hmm. Um, but... Form your own opinions. Yeah. Is there, is there anything that I really wanted to mention that I didn't? Because again, Better Call Saul and Breaking Better Now, two of my favorite TV shows of all time. If I if if I missed anything in particular, I'm gonna feel pissed. Do you oh. think Gus being gay is gonna be too subtle for most of the viewers? Yeah. Gus, Gus being gay too oh, subtle yeah, for one, most viewers? I yeah. One hundred percent. I heavily implied. Though, it, uh, more only, than heavily implied. Only in Better Call Saul in one scene. Uh, it's, it's heavily implied in Breaking Bad that like. While they were business partners, they were more. Like he, but they never talk about it. They never imply it. The only per pe person who does imply it is, I think, Hector and Donaladio. Is it Donaladio? I feel like Donaladio. Yeah. Um, when they're talking or, about it, I, I mean, it's either him or Bosa. So. I know. I think Bosa was the uh, was uh, the guy um, running. The, uh, yeah. Um, there's only one scene where I believe Hector calls them the Butt Brothers instead of the Chicken Brothers, um, and. Uh, I think that's kind of it. Like, uh, yeah, it I is... don't know. I it, when when I was watching Breaking Bad, I assumed Gus was gay because of their like the uh, way they interacted with each other before he got shot in the head. All right. Well, my gaydar didn't go off. I literally um, the person I was watching it with, Gav, he had to be like, yeah. By the way, uh, it's confirmed he's gay, and they were boyfriends. I'm like, what the fuck? 
His his reaction to that death was way too strong for it to have just have been a friend or a business partner. I felt that that was my read, though. I mean, that's I guess that's sort of fair. But yeah, um, it's uh, yeah, uh, that's a good question because I I like I had some people uh, actually just today. Uh, I don't know remember where I was. Oh yeah, someone was talking about. Oh my God, someone was talking about um, Gus Fring. Uh, as being like, oh, you know, he was a real man. And everyone's like, no, stop. None of them. They were all bad people. Don't do that. And then some people was like, he was gay, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's confirmed to be gay. Okay. I, I heard he was gay, but I never picked up on that. And I'm like, no, he did. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It's, it's, uh, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, two of the best shows on television. Ben's Gilligan is also making another series, not set in the uh, Methverse. Um, Methiverse. Yeah, and uh, it's going to be kind of, apparently kind of Twilight Zone-esque. Interesting. I'm very curious. I'm, I'm intrigued, because he does really good work with characters, so I'll, I'll sit with anticipation for that. But what do you think? What did you think of Nope? What did you think of Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad? Let us know in the comments below, and thank you so much for joining us for the TopCast Pod Show. Catch you guys on the next one. Woo!